Good morning, Hilton Head Island Community Church. This is John Eve of Row Kids. I just want to take a moment to thank you for the support, the partnership, the friendship, and the uh, loyalty that you've shown to myself and Sue and Row Kids, and especially to the children of Belize, um, especially to the little village of uh, San Marcos. Um, I thank you for uh, all that you've done and uh, you have touched many many lives uh, over the past five years uh, changed lives brought uh, young people to Christ um, through your ministry of, uh, of uh, vacation Bible school and uh, sports camps uh, that you've put on there you are truly a missional church many organizations uh, will travel the world in the name of missions uh, to see the different parts of the world, but you are truly a missional church. You've planted yourself in this little little town of San Marcos in Belize, Central America, and you've made such a difference in the lives of these people, uh, especially the young people at the school there at San Marcos. Um, I am looking forward to uh, many more years with you, and uh, especially for this coming summer, uh, when you will be going back to Belize, uh, to the two villages that uh, you've been supporting, uh, San Marcos and to Billy White, uh, with a family trip uh, and a uh, youth trip uh, in uh, June and July of 2018. Uh, I know that God has great things that he plans to do in and through your congregation and I'm just thankful that you allow Sue and I to be a part of what he is doing and what you are doing. You are a great congregation and Sue and I love you very very much as if you were our home church. Can't wait to be with you all again uh, in Belize this summer. Community Church, Brandon Scott Smith with No Hungry Children here. Just wanted to send you a quick congratulations on 10 years in the Hilton Head community there as a congregation. What a blessing you guys have been to your local area there and to many ministries around the world, including ours at No Hungry Children. You guys have been a faithful supporter and partner with us uh, for many years now, and uh, we just wanted to tell you how much we love you and appreciate you uh, and are thankful to be a part of your family there. Uh, you guys have continued to feed over 200 children at Cana Junior Academy every day in school, two meals a day, five days a week, Monday through Friday, and uh, you're not just feeding them physically, but you're also helping feed them spiritually and emotionally as well. Um, and uh, these kids are getting loved on by local pastors and church leaders and uh, are being blessed in ways that you can't even imagine. I'm excited for Pastor Todd to come and see uh, the work that is being done there and how much of a blessing you guys have been. Uh, I know he's going to bring back some awesome reports after our trip in November. Um, and uh, I'll be excited to come with my family in January and be able to share uh, as well and, uh, and be with you guys 
once again. So just wanted to say thank you so much for your continued support and partnership with No Hungry Children and a big congratulations on a historic day in the life of Hilton Head Island Community Church. We hope you guys have an awesome time celebrating God's blessing uh, in your lives and ministry there. We love you guys. I hope you have a great day today. Well, good morning, Hilton Head Island Community Church. I hope you're doing well. Uh, for those of you I don't know, my name's Todd. I'm the lead pastor here, and uh, this is our third global partner. You heard from two of our global partners. And uh, why don't you guys give it up for Clint Trebesh with Navigators of Georgia State. Clint, glad to have you, man. Yeah, thank you. Fun to be here. We, um, we are just privileged to have three uh, great global partners and a, a, a host of local partners here in uh, Hilton Head and the South Carolina Lowcountry. Uh, but we've got three global partners, and um, we begin today a, a brand new series um, where we are um, for HHI, and that's the name of our series. And uh, it's the name of our emphasis because today begins our uh, one... It's our month-long 10-year anniversary. I, I, I don't want to flip those around, like 10-year, one-month anniversary. Month. Yeah, we just yeah. got a party for All a right. month. But we wanted to make sure that uh, the focus wasn't on us as a church as much as it was on the community and, and what God is leading us to do in our mission in that community. And so today we're beginning uh, by getting us to think global in terms of the gospel message. Um, it's our, our mission to passionately share the message of Jesus and to lead people to follow him. And that doesn't happen just here. Uh, it begins with a global mindset. And that's what Clint's going to be talking about today. But before um, you dive into your message that um, God has uh, put on your heart, and I've asked you to, to share with us this morning, um, I wanted you to tell them a little bit about Navigators at Georgia State in downtown Atlanta and kind of the mission and what you guys are doing, what God is doing right now in, the, in really the life of Navigators at Georgia State. Yeah, Todd, when we, I mean, when we see college students, we see generations, plural, because we, we look at this generation of college students who often get a bad rap, right, for partying and trying to fulfill their lives with all kinds of things. When we see college students, we see so much potential and excitement and energy and, and really a desire for this young generation to want to know God. And often they just are seeking that fulfillment and satisfaction in the wrong places. And so our hearts and our desire, the navigators, and specifically in Atlanta, Georgia State, is to come alongside college students and help them know who Jesus is and help raise them up as disciples following him who then can go out to be leaders and laborers in the community, in their church, in their workplace, wherever God sends them. It's really a, an amazing thing what the navigators do, uh, and they do that all around the world. And, and we're just fortunate enough to partner with you guys for the last Five years, I believe, that yeah. we've been partners together, and uh, Clint and I think Leanne um, it was here earlier with his three daughters. So yep. uh, be praying for for Clint and Leanne and and what they do and the, his three girls uh, there in downtown Atlanta. It's not an easy mission what you guys are are on, um, but we are with you and we're praying for you. And Clint and I are talking about what 2018 is going to look like because um, I would like for us to go up to Georgia State 
um, and have a few days where we come up and help you, just like we're doing, uh, we're looking at doing in Nairobi, Kenya, through No Hungry Children, and just like we're doing uh, as we do on a regular basis down in Belize and San Marcos and Billy White. So we're going to be sharing with you as time goes on what that looks like. Um, I want to switch gears for a moment before Clint dives in, um, because today has been uh, proclaimed a national day of prayer for uh, those uh, who are in Texas who were affected by Hurricane Harvey. And I've asked Clint to pray along with me, and I'm going to ask you to pray with me for those who are uh, down in South Texas and uh, who are victims of, of Hurricane Harvey over the last week. It's been devastating, and I think uh, if those of you who lived here, we experienced a, a, a little bit of that last year with Hurricane Matthew, and I'm praying that we don't again, uh, and uh, pray along with me on that. But let's, uh, let's be praying for those who were affected by, by Hurricane Harvey, because it was devastating. It hit some very large metropolitan areas. And so let's just take a moment this morning before we dive into God's word to pray for those who are affected. So would you join me in a word of prayer this morning? Father God, we, uh, we thank you that you're in control. And it's hard to understand that always. And it's especially hard to understand that when we see the devastation um, that happened down in Texas uh, because of this terrible hurricane and the rainstorms and the wind that came along with it. And God, right now, in, in the name of Jesus, I, I just pray for those victims who, who are right now homeless, um, many of whom may be going back to nothing. God, those who are displaced, some of whom were displaced years ago with Hurricane Katrina and moved to, to Houston or Corpus Christi, and now their homes once again are devastated. And God, I just pray that you would just be with the, the leaders, the community leaders, the, the mayors. God, for the governor of Texas, for our own national response to what's going on in Texas. And, and God, I pray that you would allow Hilton Head Island Community Church to also play a part in the recovery effort in South Texas. And God, I pray that you would just be with those victims, be with those who are suffering. And God, I pray that you would be peace to them in the midst of this terrible storm. God, that you would comfort them. And most of all, God, I pray that you would use this terrible tragedy for your glory, that people would come to know you in the time when they need you the most. And we pray for peace, and we pray for restoration, and we pray for healing of the people of South Texas. Mm, amen. And Father, we do ask as well that, um, God, you would raise up the, the body of Christ at large, your church, and all local churches like this wonderful church, Hilton Head Island Community Church. God, may you continue to raise up churches in your body all over the country to, to come alongside, to help support and uh, resource people that are in such desperate need. Father, I do pray, as Todd prayed, for comfort, for peace, um, your peace that transcends all understanding, especially in uh, such a terrible situation that's so hard to understand for so many. God, may your peace come upon the people that are affected. May your protection come upon the people that are affected. And may your presence really be with them, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Well, hey, it's a privilege for me to be back. Thank you so much for your support and your encouragement and your prayers from this church. It's been so fun to be part of this church for 10 years and to celebrate now in this month 
the 10th anniversary of Hilton Head Island Community Church and what's, what God is doing. And I had the privilege of marrying into it. My wife grew up here on Hilton Head and her family have been members of this church throughout this whole time. And so we love you and we're so grateful to be part of this. And it's an honor for me to be up here and share with you all this morning. We're going to take a look at um, something that's very dear on my heart uh, because it's something very dear on God's heart. And it's the idea of thinking globally, thinking globally. Um, you know, in, so, in a world, there, there are so many needs, there are so many issues, so many problems, right? From the hurricanes and storms that come through, um, I, I'm hearing stories of terrible wildfires in Montana and Los Angeles. And, you know, these natural disasters are just such a part of the reality of the difficulty of life, right? And um, with so many needs and so many issues, there are so many great causes, there are so many great causes out there that are really making great strides to help, you know, in, in finding cures for diseases and so many things. Um, you know, and at the end of the day, I, I wonder, Lord, what really is the solution to the problems and the needs and the issues of this world? And I just, I come back to the Great Commission in Matthew 28. Matthew 20, 18 through 20, Jesus comes to the disciples and he says, all authority and heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And, he, and Jesus leaves this promise. He says, and surely I am with you to the end of the age. And, and it's phrased a little differently in Mark 16, 15, where Jesus says, go into all the earth and proclaim this good news to all nations. And, you know, I look at this and I think, ultimately, the solution is Jesus' great cause. There are a lot of good causes. But the cause of Jesus is seeing every person in every nation and every culture restored and reconciled and redeemed into relationship with him. And that he would meet their needs through that. So we're going to take a look at today how we can develop a mindset to think on par with Jesus. And I think um, a number of years ago, I went to Southern California with a group of friends to do a sea, a sea kayaking trip. Right? We went out to Santa Catalina Island, went sea kayaking, and we camped on the beach along the way. And we got to this cove, this, um, you know, this, this little cove in, in the, on the island. And we were so excited because we were actually getting going to get to go snorkeling. We hadn't had a chance to snorkel yet. And, and I thought, oh, this is going to be so fun, you know, to, to get under the water and to see just kind of a whole new world. And, and so, so we, we set out, and it was beautiful, crystal clear water when we got in the water. And, you know, you get in, and it's just a whole other world down there. And it was beautiful and spectacular and, and really awe-inspiring. And after we'd been in the water for not too long, 15 minutes or so, it's, it started to get a little murky. The tide changed, and, and it was bringing in, you know, debris and, and sand, and, and it was getting cloudy. And, and it came to the point where we weren't able to really see much past our hands stretched out in front of us. And we're still in the water, and we're trying to swim around. And then we hear from the shore a lady yelling at us, get out of the water, get out of the water. What do you think? What do you think is going on? Shark, right? You know, you know here. And so, you know, we kind of we pop our heads out of the water, and we can't see anything. And she says, "There's, there's not a shark. There are sharks, 
plural, in the water, swimming around you. And as she's saying this, we're starting to feel sharks brushing up against us as we're in the water. And what what do you think we do? We have this crisis where we're thinking we're either we're going to be lunch or we're going to get out, we got to get out of here. So we we swam to the shore as quick as we could. We got to the shore and and she says, "Hey, I'm sorry to alarm you. They they're just leopard sharks. They're friendly. They weren't going to attack you." She said, "But I didn't want you to get alarmed in the water with them, so I thought I'd warn you." Thanks for the warning. That's great. Um, it would have been nice to know when we're in the water that they're not going to eat us, but. Um, but, you know, we got out of the water, and, and then we could see a school of about 20 leopard sharks swimming in the water, all right in. And as the tide had changed and come in, these sharks had come in, and they were feeding. They were eating uh, on small fish and things in there. And, um, you know, I, I think about that, and I think, while we were in the water, we were so focused on trying to see what was right in front of us, we completely lost sight, and it got cloudy, of what was going on around us, the bigger picture of what was happening around us. And we had to step out of the water to be able to see, right? And I think this story relates so much to life for me because I get so caught up so easily in what's right here in front of me, the here and the now, that I lose sight of what's going on around me, what God's doing around me. Right? And our worldview often gets clouded. It gets clouded so easily. Stresses, fears, anxieties creep in. And we miss the amazing things God is doing around us. Right? We often are so focused on the here and the now that we don't see the bigger picture of God's plans and his purposes. And so we're going to take a look at the book of Acts uh, chapter 1 here this morning, and we're going we're gonna to pull out four needs, four needs for every Christ follower as we engage in thinking globally, to think globally. All right, so would you open your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 1? Open your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 1. We're going to read verses 6 through 11 this morning and take a look at four needs that Jesus reveals to us here. So in Acts chapter 1, verse 6, the disciples, a little, a little preface to this, the disciples have just seen Jesus resurrected, and uh, they had been on this roller coaster of emotions, right? They had been walking with him for three years, watching him do these miracles, healing people, bringing people back from the dead, casting out demons, teaching with authority like they'd never seen or heard before. And then he died, and their world, their world just collapsed. Right? He wasn't suppo- this wasn't supposed to be how it ended. And they were left stranded and hopeless for, for a, a weekend, basically. And then he comes back. And he appears to them. And in Acts chapter 1, it picks up with this, where Jesus appeared for 40 days to more than 500 people, revealing who he is and who he was, who he, what he is, who he said he was going to be. And here we pick it up in Acts chapter 1, verse 6. So when they, the disciples, had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, 
he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes. And they said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who is taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. And, and here we see this pinnacle, this the climactic point of the scriptures, right? Where all of scripture has pointed to really this this period of time with Jesus' life, death, and now his resurrection and ascension has all come to a peak. And if it's not for this very passage, quite honestly, all the rest of scripture is pointless. Pointless. Because if Jesus doesn't ascend to be Lord over heaven and earth, then who is he? This passage points us to the fact that Jesus is who he said he is. And that he's going to fulfill what he says he's going to fulfill. And that his heart is for all people. And in Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 7, we see this first need of these four needs. So let me read this again. When they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. Here's the first need of every Christ follower. It's to know, or I'm excuse, the first need is to have a perspective shift from my world to his kingdom. That our, our focus and our perspective and what we know to be true would shift from everything that's wrapped up in my world to his kingdom. And here we see the disciples are so caught up in the confusion of this because they've been walking with him and, and hearing him preach about this kingdom. And it's still a little ambiguous. They still don't understand, what is, what is this? And they think, honestly, that Jesus' whole point was to come back and maybe overthrow the Roman Empire that was oppressing and persecuting them. And maybe to restore more of a military governance that would have power, that could restore the people of Israel. And they were so stuck on their own world, right? They had legitimate needs. But they were so caught up in this that they really think Jesus is going to become a a great world conqueror like only they can imagine. And he responds not by shooting them down, not by saying, don't be ridiculous. He doesn't doesn't say, your question is absurd. Rather, he points them to a different perspective. And he says, "It's, it's not for you to know the times or places, right? Your concern is valid. But my heavenly father, your heavenly father, our heavenly father, he's got this. He's in control. And he knows the times, the seasons, the places. This is all going to be fulfilled. And so as we look at this, I think of Matthew 6.33. Matthew 6.33 says, uh, Jesus speaking to the disciples at the beginning of his ministry. He says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you as well. They had valid concerns. They had needs. They were in poverty. They were oppressed. And Jesus knows and sees and validates these. And he doesn't say, don't worry about that. But rather he says, shift your perspective to the kingdom and you will see all of your needs provided for. Not necessarily as we believe they should be, but as he knows they should be. 
Think of a student on our campus named Rosa. Uh, his first name is James. He goes by Rosa. Uh, and he, we met him as a uh, freshman in the dorms. When we met him, he was not in a right state of mind based on uh, how he'd been partying um, to be in, interacting with us. But we were in the dorms talking to students about joining Bible studies. And he listened to this and kind of peeked up and came over and he said, hey, I heard you talking about Bible study. I'd be interested in a Bible study. And we're thinking, great, come, come join us, come hang out. So James got involved with um, a Bible study. And then he disappeared for a little while. Uh, for about a, a semester, we, we lost touch with him altogether. We thought, well, I kind of hope that he's all right. Uh, in the midst of our campus ministry, there was so much going on, we couldn't really follow up as well. And then he came back around a, a semester later, and we got reconnected with James, and we started to hear what was going on in his life. James grew up in South Atlanta uh, in a very low-income part of town, surrounded by a lot of gang activity, drug activity, had friends and cousins in and out of jail, recently had a friend killed in a gang incident. This is the world James was living in. And he, he, he had to drop out of school for a period of time because of finances. And we're hearing his story and we're getting to know him. And we're seeing this guy, really, he really wants to know God. And we want to walk with him and help him and encourage him through this. And we fast forward and James has been growing as an influencer, growing as a leader, growing in his faith and his hope. And James, this year, is one of our top leaders in our campus ministry. He's leading a Bible study with other men, walking with other men, pursuing a degree in exercise science. He wants to go into the sports world, work for a team, and be on fire for God. And he wants to be involved with his family. He's going back home on the weekends and talking to his family about his faith, talking to his friends who are in and out of jail about his faith. And God is giving him so much favor. And I think what's happened with James is that his perspective has shifted. He stopped being so caught up in the valid concerns and needs that he had. And he started focusing more on what's God's bigger plan? What's God's bigger purpose? How can I seek him first? And God is using James in amazing ways. So what are you seeking first? What are you seeking first right now? What are you trying to find provision in? Your world or his kingdom? What are you trying to find your identity, your competency? You see, we, we have a dual citizenship, all right? The disciples heard Jesus preaching about this over and over, the kingdom of God. He recognized and legitimized that they were citizens of the present place they lived. We are citizens of a great country, United States of America. We are citizens here. Jesus was helping them realize that while citizens in the present world, we have a greater citizenship in his kingdom. And that our citizenship really is tied to his kingdom. And if we start thinking this way, everything changes. Could we focus a little different? What will it take to have a shift of perspective that, that moves from my problems to his promises? That moves from my preoccupations to his purposes? 
that moves from my comfort to his cause and his commands and his calling and his commission? What will it take to have a perspective shift? Moving on in Acts 1.8, Jesus then says, but you, they're caught up in, will you at this time do this, Lord? Will you do this right now? Jesus says, but um, right now, here's what I want you to do. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. We'll stop there. Here's the second need of every Christ follower. Every Christ follower needs to live as his witnesses who are empowered by his Holy Spirit. I think of a girl named Angel on our campus. Angel, we also met as a freshman, and when, when we met her, she was actively seeking a community to get involved in. She'd grown up in the church and, and wanted to be part of a Christian community. So uh, she didn't know where to look. The first place she looked was the, um, the Korean campus ministry. She's African-American. She realized, I don't fit into this right now. So she, she got out of that, which is a phenomenal ministry. She went to another campus ministry and thought, you know, what I really want is some mentorship, some discipleship in my life. I need someone. And she got in touch with us, which is really what we focus on. And we started to get to know Angel, started to hear her heart. She also grew up in a very broken background. A lot of divorce, had never met her dad. Her mom was out of the picture since she's been nine years old and just all kinds of craziness. And Angel starts studying the Bible, starts growing as a follower of Jesus. Angel's a senior this year at Georgia State, about to graduate. You know what she does on Tuesday nights? Angel works at a cafe, a little coffee shop near campus. And on Tuesday nights, she's reading the Bible with her coworkers after they close. After they close shop every Tuesday night, a group of them stick around. And most of them don't know Jesus. But she's invited them to start reading the scriptures after hours. And she has these friends in her coffee shop that want to know the hope that she has. You know what's happened to Angel? She's recognized the need that the Spirit of God has empowered her to live as a witness in her coffee shop in her neighborhood. This is a local and a global perspective. Locally and globally, Jesus is telling us to focus. I love, I love this, that when he says you will be empowered by the Holy Spirit, that, that word comes from the same word that we get the word dynamite from, dynamis. It's an explosive power. So when Jesus says you will receive power, He's saying there's going to be a life-altering, ground-shaking, culture-shifting power that's going to come upon you, and it's going to empower you to be a testifier, testifying of the things you've seen and heard to be true. That the Spirit of God who created the world, who spoke into existence, everything dwells in you, Jesus says to his disciples. He says, when that spirit, this spirit comes upon you, it's going to empower you and help you overcome your fears, your anxieties, your preoccupations to be a witness, to testify to what you know to be true, what you've seen to be true. Every follower of Christ, every Christ follower needs to live as his witnesses. The third need 
in Acts 1, 8 through 9. Picking it up. You will be my witnesses, Jesus says, in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. Here's the third need. Every Christ follower needs to go wherever Jesus sends them, whenever Jesus sends them, with whoever Jesus sends them, and to whoever Jesus sends them. And the disciples took, a long, it took them a long time to get this. It took them years to figure this out, that the purpose of their life was to become following their Lord, who said, go, go. When the disciples heard this, they thought, Jerusalem, that's my neighborhood. That's my city. That's my town. What is your Jerusalem? Is it Hilton Head Island? Is it Bluffton? Is it, if you're visiting, another community? Your neighborhood? The coffee shop you frequent? The gas station you frequent? A restaurant you frequent? Your coworkers? The place you work? Your school? Your kids' school? This is your Jerusalem. To go wherever, whenever, with whoever and to whoever. But he says, don't stop there. This is, this is not an either or. This is a both and. And to Judea, the province, the region. Is it your South Carolina? Is it Beaufort County? What is your Judea? The region at large God wants you to be a witness in. And Samaria. I don't know what your Samaria is. This is the place they didn't want to go. These are the people they didn't want to interact with. And I'm not going to even attempt to guess who that is for you. You know who this is. But what's the place you think, I will never go next? If you're a Clemson fan, you know where that is. If you're a Gamecock, you know where that is. Right? Jesus says, hey, there are no boundaries. And he says, in fact, and I want you to be my witnesses, what? To the end of the earth. Where is God putting on your heart the end of the earth? We hear a lot on the media all the time about the ends of the earth. In Isaiah 49.6, I love this passage. In Isaiah 49.6, God speaking to the prophet Isaiah says to him, It is too light of a thing, too small of a thing, that you should only, you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. I will make you as a light for the nations, that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. And here Isaiah, much like the disciples, was so caught up in the here and the now, and he was so concerned with the well-being and the welfare of the people right around him, he wasn't recognizing the world is in desperate need of this salvation that only comes from one place and one person, one God. And so I God speaking to Isaiah said, it's too small of a thing that you would only be focused on the here and the now. He doesn't say stop focusing on the here and the now, but if that's all the extent of your perspective, we're, we're losing it. It's a both and. Jesus ascended before their very eyes, taking his rightful place as Lord of heaven and earth. So while the disciples are standing there in Acts 1, and he 
lifts up, and it says he went up in a cloud, this cloud of glory. As Jesus rises up, what they were struck with in this moment was, oh, this is for real. This is serious. We have never seen anyone do this before. He just levitated off the ground into a cloud. He has to be the one who reigns supreme over heaven and earth. And because Jesus is risen, he's alive, and he reigns is why we follow him in this. And I think of a student named Aaron who actually was a a guy I met with and mentored and discipled for four years in Albuquerque, New Mexico, before we moved to Atlanta. We were at the University of New Mexico, and this kid, Aaron, uh, I met as a freshman, wasn't a believer, had grown up in a church, didn't know Jesus, wanted to start studying the scriptures, thought, oh, this might be something I'm interested in, became a Christian his sophomore year, wanted to grow in his faith, started making decisions intentionally, was an architecture major in college, and when he graduated from college with his architecture degree, he really believed Jesus was saying, I want you to go to the ends of the earth. So Aaron got an internship with a ministry called Engineering Missions International. And he went to Latin America. And he spent a year working architecture, designing plans for a school, and telling people in the community, sharing with people in the community about his hope in Christ, living as a witness. Fast forward, Aaron came back to the States, finished graduate school at the University of Virginia in Charlottesville, where he currently lives. Aaron's firm, his architecture firm, is on the plaza where the riots took place in Charlottesville a few weeks ago. He witnessed it. He was standing on the plaza as a bystander when a car plowed through a, a car plowed through a group of people and killed a woman. He stood there. Do you know what Aaron's response to this was? When there was anger and fear and bitterness and incredible sin all around him, do you know what his response was? We have got to plead with God for change. He gathered friends, and him and his church started prayer groups. And this very weekend, Aaron is actually leading a group of 10 8-year-old boys on a camping trip in the mountains of Virginia, telling them about Christ. Specifically, they're talking about how to be a man after God's own heart. I remember Aaron as a freshman in college who was remotely interested in Jesus, and now Jesus is using him so powerfully because his perspective has shifted to the kingdom, because his need for being a witness is real, and because Aaron knows that he needs to follow Jesus wherever, whenever, with whoever, and whoever God sends him. The last need of a Christ follower, going back to Acts 1, In verses 10 and 11, and while the disciples, they're gazing into heaven, I can only imagine scratching their heads, what in the world has just happened here? They're gazing into heaven as Jesus went up, and behold, two men stood by them in white robes. And the men said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Here's the fourth need of a Christ follower. Needs to know that our ultimate purpose and our ultimate joy is to worship God and lead all people to worship God. 
Every Christ follower needs to know that our ultimate purpose and our ultimate joy in life is worshiping God. And I love what John Piper, pastor, former pastor in Minneapolis, John Piper says this. He says, missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Outreach is not our ultimate goal. Missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. Missions exists because worship doesn't. Worship is ultimate, not missions. Because God is ultimate, not man. And when we as Christ followers see this and we recognize this need to worship God, to enjoy him, to be with him in his presence for all eternity is the only thing that can bring ultimate joy, fulfillment. Jesus alone is worthy of our worship. And yet, so many other things get it. Football season's just started. For me, this is one of the things I have to check myself on because I love football. I used to, growing up in Colorado, I loved the outdoors and I loved being outside and so much that I idolized a lot of it. I idolized recreation and fun. I worshiped these things. In Romans 1, Paul, God, rather, warns us. He says, we all too easily give up worshiping our creator for the creation. We were created to worship. We were created to worship. This is what God has in store for us, to worship him, to praise him, to glorify him. And this is not just in song. Sunday morning, this is in every aspect of our lives, our living, breathing actions, our thoughts, our words are to worship him. And because we are created to worship, we turn too quickly to worship other things. We worship the things he created for us to enjoy. And we stop worshiping the creator who brings joy. So this fourth need, our ultimate purpose and joy is to worship. And I could tell you so many more stories. I could tell you stories about other students, so many students in our ministries over the years who are developing a new perspective. And at the same time, I could tell you a lot of students aren't. And the need is there, and it's so great. And our neighbors need to know this hope that we have. And so I want to close with this. In your worship, guys, there's a phrase at the top you can see. It says this, God's heart is that all peoples from all cultures, all nations, would know him, love him, and follow him for all times. This starts in my neighborhood and this moves through every nation. Jesus drives this thought home in Matthew 24, 14, where he says, in this gospel, this good news the world so desperately needs, this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. It's a promise, friends. This gospel will be proclaimed. The nations will know. The question for us is, how will you be part of it? Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I pray 
with thanks, God, because this is a church that gets this, that understands this. And these are people that understand this. And it is such a joy to be here with people who are brothers and sisters in Christ, who are friends, who are part of this community, and who are visiting from other communities. It is a joy to open your word and to be pointed to this. And Jesus, I pray in your name, may you continue to empower us as your spirit dwells in us. Those of us who don't know you, I pray, God, our hope would be rooted in you, that we would receive you and accept you, those who don't know you. I pray, Jesus, that those who do know you would take these needs seriously to live as Christ followers with new perspective, as witnesses, empowered to follow you wherever, to worship you for all time. And so, God, would you penetrate our hearts, our thinking, our minds, and help us understand the role you want us to play in this. If it's to pray, if it's to resource and send other people and give to other people to go, if it's to go ourselves, if it's to engage more intentionally and proactively with the people around us, God, tell us where you want us to go. And so God, we praise you and we worship you because you alone are risen and you alone reign.